I'm going to start on a totally different subject, which is a new law of physics that I've discovered this week, <laughs> which is that the metal in metal chairs gets harder the longer <laughs> that you sit on the chair. So let's all stand up. And we can stretch if we want. And see if we can prove my theory when you sit back down. Okay, let's see if the chair is softer now. There we go. Proof. I'm going to start with a short part of an affirmation that Yogananda gave to us. And just like everything he gives to us, it's not just an affirmation, it's also a teaching. And it's a teaching about the path of Kriya Yoga and why we do Kriya. This is part of his affirmation for psychological success. And repeat after me. In church or temple in prayer mood, in church or temple in prayer mood my vagrant thoughts against me stood and held my mind from reaching thee, and held my mind from reaching thee. Teach me to own again, O own again. Teach me to own again, O own again. My matter sold mind and brain. My matter sold mind and brain. That I may give them to thee. That I may give them to thee. In prayer and ecstasy. In prayer and ecstasy. In meditation and reverie. Teach me to own again, O oh, own again. My matter sold mind and brain. That I may give them to thee. In meditation and reverie. That short part of that affirmation describes why the path of Kriya Yoga and why we have been given these teachings because in the beginning of the spiritual path, we don't know how to give ourselves to God. We don't know how to go deep because we don't even own our own thoughts, our own life force. And so this is, Kriya Yoga gives us the power to become the sons of God. Kriya gives us pranayama, control of the life force. And when we combine that with devotion, as Yogananda, he said very simply, I just saw it again recently, he said regarding technique and devotion. He said, talk to God through technique and devotion, the two of them together. And that statement describes so simply the path of Kriya Yoga. I discovered this very early on when I was very fortunate, perhaps having a lot of good karma for some reason and divine grace. But in high school, I had a, an inner experience and I had a deep, strong conviction that I was going to spend the rest of my life as a yogi seeking God. And it was such a strong conviction. And it was strange because I didn't know any yogis. I didn't really know what God was. But I knew from reading some books about yogis and about even Christian saints that whatever God was, it was making them very, very happy and very, very joyful. And I knew I wanted that more than anything else. And so that's exactly what I did. And I started out wandering through, I decided to be a wandering sadhu and that was going to be my path. And I would save a little money and then go out to the national forest and camp and wander in deep seclusion for months at a time. 
And my only spiritual practices that I knew was sitting up for a few minutes each day and chanting Om as I would walk around. And I discovered that wasn't enough. And the problem was that no matter how far and how remote of a place I got to, as I've joked about this before, this fellow Devarshi was always following me wherever I went. And he was incessantly babbling as I would sit to meditate. And he would have these emotions and ups and downs and distractions and everywhere. The most remote place in the whole universe I probably could have gone to. And he would have followed me. And I realized that, okay, I need more than what I have. I need a teaching and a teacher. And I ended up reading and finding autobiography of a yogi. And, and I knew right away, ah, this is my teacher. And I got to the chapter on the technique of Kriya Yoga, and I realized, yes, and this is the path, and this is my teaching. Because I knew that this would fulfill my inner longing to be a yogi seeking God and combining the two together. And really, that's all of us. We're all yogis seeking God. We're all people following this path that Patanjali really just laid out. It's not the path, quote, of yoga. It's the path of the soul. We all must go through this doorway of pranayama in order to get to the deeper states of samadhi, deep meditation, introspection, withdrawing the life force. And so that's a step. It's just a door that everyone has to go through in order to find God. And Yogananda, through this path of Kriya Yoga, that's the incredible gift that he's given to us. He's explained so clearly and given to us so easily these teachings of Kriya, the philosophy, and all we have to do really is just follow these things and practice them. That's our part. In pranayama, I think people underestimate the power that it has. Because when you have control of the life force, as the chant goes, pranayam be thy religion, pranayam is beloved God, pranayam is the wishing tree. Sri Teshwar used to sing this chant all the time. And what it means is that when you have control of the life force, you can do anything. It's almost like I refer to it sometimes as a, the ultimate superpower. Because I think if you would look at the lives of the great people of the world, even worldly people, let's take a great athlete, take all the ones who are known by their first name worldwide, <laughs> and I think you would probably, if you could see their past lives, you could see that at some point they developed control of the life force. And maybe they were even advanced yogis, but they were sitting there one time meditating and daydreaming and deciding that you know they wanted to be a great athlete. And so God said, okay, you can have that desire fulfilled. And, and they have control of the life force, and they're able to do these things. And so pranayama, for those of us who are seeking God, is the ultimate superpower because it gives us the power to know God and to find God and to give ourselves completely to God, that I may give them to thee in prayer and ecstasy and meditation and eventually in samadhi. I was just talking to somebody recently about this path of Kriya. And we, Yogananda asked a lot of people, uh, from people, before he gave them the Kriya technique. And I was going through with that, yes, we ask people to be doing energization, hongsa, om technique every day, and they have a strong sadhana before they learn the Kriya technique. And this person had been struggling with doing that and was sort of asking, well, why, you know, Kriya, the technique is really what we want. And, and eventually she finally emailed me and said, you know, I think I've got it. And she didn't get it, and she does have it. She said, Master said Kriya is the airplane route to God, but we still have to put out the energy to buy the ticket and to get to the airport. 
And we have to do that much, and it is so true. That's all we have to do. That's not very much. If you think about the energy to buy a ticket, get to the airport, and that airplane is going to be the ticket to God, it's well worth it. Because the rewards that we've seen in so many, many people, you see it, I see it in hundreds of people here right now, the rewards and the fruits of the practice of pranayama, of control of the life force, devotion and self-offering, they are truly extraordinary. They're all inspiring We've seen it in so many, many lives over the years here at Ananda, that as Yogananda, it's inevitable that if you do these things the way that Yogananda taught them, the way that we see them practiced here every day here at Ananda and worldwide, not just at Ananda Village, these things will take you to God because they will give you the power to finally sort of get rid of that fellow, Devarshi or Sally or whoever, that's sitting there bugging you every step of the way. More and more, uh, more and more over the years, you find that just drops away and you are able to give yourself completely to God. And so this is why Yogananda said, use technique and combine it with devotion. When he said talk to God through technique and devotion, he meant all together. It's not one and then the other. He said, as you're doing your techniques, uh, Riman or Anandi referred to this, do it with a sense of devotion and self-offering. In the time after techniques, do that also with a sense of devotion and self-offering. And step by step, again, that bus may seem really slow sometime. It's an airplane, actually. It's not a bus. But <laughs> even still, you'll find that all you have to do is stay on the airplane and keep doing this. And we've seen this so many, many times. Uh, we've talked a lot this week about many people have, about people who have, who have given their lives to these teachings. And at the end, they've, as they've passed away, we've seen extraordinary freedom in them. And it just, uh, it's awe-inspiring because it proves what Yogananda said. Swami Kriyananda has talked about that time at the end of life as the final exam. And it's really, it's not about that final exam time. It's about how we live our lives leading up to it. And our part is really very, very simply. It's just to do the best that we can with these things. I have a, a secret, and I know we read all the time in papers and things about students who are caught and busted for sharing the exam secrets with their friends, the, the questions and the answers. And the fact is that's all we do around here is we <laughs> share the secret to the final exam and how to get through it with others. So I feel safe in saying this. And we sometimes tend to overcomplicate things because we do have a lot of techniques. We do have a lot of teachings. We're given a lot of different things to think about. And so people, I think, sometimes when they sit down for the devotion part of their meditation or the more purely devotional part without techniques, I think people sometimes complicate it. And the secret is this. When the final exam comes, I swear and I promise that you're not going to be required to prove that you know the proper breathing to the four-part breathing in the energization exercises. <laughs> okay? It was a great relief when I discovered that. But our, our part, very simply, is one, do our best. But two, it's very, very, very simple. I was in Argentina a couple of months ago, and I was at a, uh, it was a convent with beautiful grounds and a church, and was founded by a saint who I had never heard of. And one thing that was very interesting about it was that the logo or the symbol that this saint came up with, which was everywhere, and which was at the top in the center of their altar even, was a single eye 
with rays coming out of it. It was very interesting. I have no idea where that came from, and even his students and followers didn't really know what it meant. They just had some vague idea and said something that didn't make much sense. But you could tell it was exactly where our spiritual eye is and our, some of our mandirs right there, top center. But it was very beautiful. They had a, a little bookstore, a little boutique, and everyone who walked in there, they had a bowl with little pieces of paper. And you got to choose a piece of paper at random, and it would have a saying from the saint in his life. It was a very sweet idea. We should maybe do it at some of our boutiques here. And the one that I chose, I read it, and it just it seemed so familiar that I had to run home to my Kindle and look up in the Bhagavad Gita. But what it said, it was a saying of the saint. Very simply, he said, May I worship, adore, and love thee. And that was it. And as soon as I got to the Bhagavad Gita, I realized almost the exact words this Krishna is saying to Arjuna, just worship, adore, and love me, and you will become one with me. That's all you have to do. That's, you didn't say there was any more than that. It's as simple as that. And what Kriya does is it gives us the power to do that, to offer with complete freedom, because we don't get rid of Devarshi or Sally or Jack by bonking them on the head with a club or kicking them out or throwing them out or anywhere. We get to that freedom by offering ourselves with complete devotion and with complete freedom to God. And just as if you want to give a great gift to someone who you love, you want to buy them a car, you can't just go to the car showroom and point out the car and say, well, it's all yours. You have to pay for the car first. You have to buy it. You have to own it to give that gift. In the same way, we have to own ourselves, our little selves, and give them to God. And pranayama essentially is that. It's as simple as that. It's no more, no more complex than that. And devotion and self-offering is extraordinarily simple. It's just the simplest worship, adoration, and love that you can possibly imagine, that really of a child. I sometimes think of the, uh, the paintings you see of the three wise men and the shepherds worshiping and adoring Christ. And you look at the faces of those shepherds, and there's just pure childlike awe, reverence, adoration, and bliss in their faces. And you know they're not sitting there thinking, well, should I be relating from the Muladhara chakra, or should I be with this chakra, or should I be in Samyama, or what, where should I be when I'm doing this? They're not thinking at all. They're just like a child with reverence and awe looking at the Christ child. I saw this with Swami Kriyananda the other night because, as others have said, Ananda even talked about this, it's a part of Swami Kriyananda that you see more and more now, but it's always been there, which is just this childlike awe and attitude and just joy and reverence for life. Uh, sometimes I actually recommend to people as a spiritual practice to listen to Swami's children's music and those songs because I can tell you something. He didn't write those just for children unless referring to all of us as children of God. Listen to that music sometime to get a sense of that attitude of childlike reverence and awe. And I was, uh, we had the concert and the dancing here the other night, and Swamiji was sitting here, and I was just a little off to the side over here. And I was watching him as much as I was watching the performance because it was just so striking to watch how he was watching. And I was able to, again, as we've all done I think many times, try to view life through his eyes, through, through his heart, through his approach to life. And there was just this blissful, childlike smile on his face 
as if he was a child who was watching something for the very first time. And it was music that he'd written, and he wasn't sitting there trying to figure out what the symbolism of this was or whether this person was hitting the right note or whatever the mind might go through. The mind was out of the way. He was just very simply sitting there watching with awe and reverence, just as a child. And that's all we have to do. That part of our meditation when we've finished with the techniques is a time just of very simple, just be a child, adore God, visualize Yogananda, Christ, Divine Mother, offer yourself at their feet without any thought of anything else except I am yours, be thou mine. And just, again, don't think about chakras and this and that. That time is just time for self-offering. Swami Kriyananda, in his new biography of Yogananda, there's just a simple sentence right in the middle of a longer passage where he says, every Kriya I see now should be an act of devotional self-offering. And he's talking about the Kriya technique, but he's also talking about every action, in a sense, every action that we do, which, as Riemann said, Kriya means action. Every action should be simply an act of devotional self-offering. And when you do Kriya that way, which works with the energy in the deep astral spine, you find over time more and more that as truth and life works from the inside out, that that changes us on the inside so that even our outward acts, giving a talk, helping someone, just serving someone a meal, becomes an act of devotional self-offering to God. And as we do that over the course of a lifetime, we find that more and more as we give everything as a devotional self-offering to God, that little self who has been babbling incessantly and we just cannot get rid of, we offer that too to God, and that is merged into the infinite. And that really is the simplicity and the beauty of the spiritual path, is that our part is to do our best part, to practice these teachings. I worked with a man once who he learned Kriya Yoga, and he had very uh, difficult problems with his lungs, where he couldn't breathe very well. And in listening to the way he did the Kriya technique, you could tell that it was going to be very, very difficult, because it didn't even sound like Kriya or work like Kriya for him. And so I wished him his best, and talked about the way that we always talk about doing Kriya, with devotion and self-offering. About a year, a year later, he came back, and I asked how he was doing, and he was very excited about his progress in Kriya Yoga. And you could see in his face, there was just joy and freedom, and he was changed by what he had been doing. And so I listened again to his Kriya practice, and it was, if anything, worse than it was before, <laughs> physically, because his lungs were actually, it was deteriorating, and, but it was working for him. And again, we don't have to nail a perfect 10.0 on the techniques. We just have to do the best that we can, which is what he was doing but he was doing it with a sense of devotion, childlike reverence, awe, and self-offering to God. And because of that, he was becoming free. It was working. The guru was blessing him. His karma was being released, and he was offering his little self into the infinite just by his very best effort, which I think we all know that our very best effort sometimes doesn't seem like very much. It's a struggle. But then the guru does the rest, and divine grace, really. And this is what Swami Kriyananda in that passage in the biography, when he talked about Kriya being an act of devotional self-offering, he said, we don't get there by ourselves. We don't get there through our own effort. In the end, we get there through God's grace and the help of the Guru. 
Our part is simply to cooperate with them and work with them. And this is what Swami Kriyananda in his book that he mentioned the other day, cooperating with grace. That's really all the path of Kriya Yoga is. Our part is to work with pranayama techniques the best that we can and cooperate with divine grace, with the Guru, with divine mother, with God. And when we do that, our way is clear. It's almost just divine inevitability that we will get there on that airplane, that bus, whatever it is, as long as we stay on that particular bus, these practices and devotion and self-offering, it's guaranteed we will get there in the end. We've seen this with so many of our, our dear ones who have lived a life this way. And you hear their, their answer to the final exam. Uh, Garrett, one of our friends, one of his answer to the final exam was one of the last things that he said. He just kept saying, Garrett loves God, Garrett loves God. That was as simple as it was. Check, right answer. That was the right answer. He, he passed. Others who have said, I'm free, I'm free, Om Guru. Right answer, you've, you've passed. Another whose very last word was celebrate. There was just so much joy in what she was experiencing at the end. And it was the joy of self-offering because when we give ourselves away to God completely, unreservedly, when we practice devotion in that way, Think about it, the most joyful, completely free times you've had in your life. Meditate on it and you'll see that when you offer yourself with complete devotion to God, you feel freedom. You feel free even in that very moment. And this is really the answer in the end, is to practice these things in this way, to do them with devotion, to do them with this childlike awe and reverence, to do them with self-offering. And in the end, we will become free. That's Yogananda's promise. It's the answer that we've seen with so many people here have proven it time and time again. It's just so simple. And yet we tend to complicate things so much and try to get back to the simplicity of just being a child, a lover of God. You do these teachings and these techniques because they're the doorway that we have to go through. But in the end, we're only going to get there when our effort is in cooperation with the divine and with divine grace. And again and again, we've seen it. And I can say that any, any single person listening here today, if you do these things, you'll be amazed at the results that you get from them. And you'll be able to overcome karmas, addictions, all these different things that you thought were impossible to overcome. And that's not only the promise that we've been given, but we've also seen it. We've seen the fruits. So practice these things in this way. Take them home with you, people who are, are new on them with these things. Learn the energization exercises. Practice them every day. Tune into the gurus. Ask for their help. Do it with this childlike sense of awe and reverence. Those who already have Kriya, do it more and more with a sense of this devotional self-offering as a child giving yourself to God with every single breath. And in the end, your freedom is guaranteed. All we have to do, stay on the bus, stay on the airplane, and we will get there in the end. So blessings on all of our practices and all of our journey back to God.